Welcome everyone to I'm Always Right, the number one sports podcast in Metro Detroit. I am your host, the mouth of Michigan, Robin Dyke. With me, as always, the Merck Zone, Mike Merkel, and the brain, Emily Merkel. How are we all doing today? I'm good. How are you, Rob? I'm, I'm doing great. great, Em. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Doing great? Yeah, you sound hungry already. I am hungry. <laughs> I always eat lunch at 11. It's currently 12 o'clock, guys. <laughs> right? I make sacrifices for right. this podcast. We're going to jump right in. We teased it last week a little bit. I know Tigers fans have been hitting us up on social media telling us that why haven't we talked about the Detroit Tigers? Well, guess what? You're in luck. We're starting right off the bat. Detroit Tigers overview. Obviously, last season was very forgettable. I, I think I've even seen some articles on ESPN where they basically said it was a season. That was it. They played baseball. That was the extent of the season. And I think we can all kind of agree with that, right? <laughs> so basically, we're going to start off, Mike, and I'm, I'm going to start with you. Year two under Ron Gardenhire. Uh, this is a guy that everyone kind of thought they should have hired before Brad Ausmus, even. Uh, longtime manager of the Minnesota Twins. How are we feeling about Ron Gardenhire? I know from me personally, I've talked to some guys um, who are who are baseball coaches in high school and, and, and other levels, and the biggest thing they tell me is fundamentals. Fundamentals is what Ron Gardenhire kind of preaches. I think you kind of saw that last season, you know, for the four or five games that we may have watched throughout the year. How, how are we feeling about Ron? Four or five games that you guys watched? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean... What is what else is there to say? Sixty four and ninety eight was your record last year. Right, right. But that, that's, a, but that's a team though with with nobody. I mean, I mean, Cabrera got hurt. You got no Verlander. You don't have anybody pitching yeah. for you. Let's be real. Besides Fulmer, even Fulmer had down here. Can can you really attribute that record? I don't. You think that he was brought in a little bit knowing they weren't going to be very good? So I, I do agree with that. You yeah. know, I, I think the it's, fundamental thing is big because you have a lot of young players and you keep trading away guys. Uh, to, to kind of build this roster and being able to teach solid fundamentals basically from the ground up, from your single, double, triple-A levels, and you, you basically assemble the coaching staff to where it's that constant message throughout the organization. I think that's what the hope is that in, in, in a few years here you're going to kind of see the fruits of those labors. But, I, I mean, speaking of some of those trades, you traded Verlander a couple of years ago, you traded Price, you, tra- you, know, you let Scherzer walk, you've traded basically every asset you can with the exception of Miguel Cabrera. Uh, I mean, do you like those trades? Do you like where they're headed? Or do you just think that basically we're just going to flounder for the next 20 years? I mean, obviously, I hate all of those trades. I mean, you do. <laughs> I mean, you're giving away all your. I mean, even even from place. a GM perspective, though. I mean, I well, get it, you're from a fan, but yeah. if you're if you're Al Avila, you're like, wow, we haven't won a World Series. We're not gonna win a World no. Series. I mean, if you're if you're thinking, okay, we're gonna go rebuild. I guess you know what are you gonna do? Give right. away all your guys and stuff. That's <laughs> fine. It's baseball. <laughs> but to me personally, I hate seeing JD and Justin Verlander and all those guys go. Right. It's just right. I, I will give fan. I will give Alavila some credit though the fact that he's been able to get some of the returns he has especially for guys like J D Martinez who you know when he traded him to Arizona it was one of those situations where he's on an expiring contract he was going to be an unrestricted free agent for this first time in his career and you still were able to get a couple good prospects out of that deal you had the first overall pick in uh, a year ago you drafted Casey Mize the the pitcher out of Auburn so you have some pieces. You have some guys in the wings ready to go that I think you're going to be reliant upon, you know, in the next few years. Yeah. But speaking, uh, you know, obviously to the future, what what's the timeline? Is it is it five years? Is it ten years? Is it two years? I, I mean, because the way you're looking right now, nobody in Detroit or anywhere else in, in, in Major League Baseball really thinks that the Tigers are going to do anything. Obviously, you're going to basically... You don't even have a shortstop right now. Let's be let's be totally honest with you. Your manager even said, you don't have one nope. right now. you got to go sign one. You're signing a lot of guys one-year deals. You're kind of just winging it, and you're basically biting the bullet on this Miguel Cabrera contract. You're waiting for Jordan Zimmerman to go away. That the, And you're going to probably trade Nate Castellanos at some point during either the winter meetings or at the end of the trade deadline. Where are we going? Are, is it a five year, ten year, twenty year? Think, what's it gonna happen here? I mean, I think it's long. Yeah, I would go more of like a five year. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, they don't hit ten year. But I yeah, mean, right. I would say about five year. I think once you um get some good drafts and you start developing the young players that they're getting, right. Plus, getting some veteran help. Mm-hmm. I think they can um improve, and then I think they can eventually start making some runs into the playoffs. Right. It's just gonna be 
Well, and that's something, too, and that's something too, and I, I know we haven't talked about a ton of this, but just, just your brief thoughts on this as well is, I know a lot of people have been complaining about the approach that they've taken where they say they're not going to sign any big-name free agents, they're not going to really play in that in that game anymore, which is what they, we were used to seeing for such a long time mm-hmm. with Dombrowski. However, the argument can be made that a guy like Bryce Harper, a guy like Manny Machado, who you can go sign him to a long-term deal. You know at the end of that deal it's going to suck. You know that going in. But if you can sign a guy that can maybe expedite that process just a little bit, can speed up the rebuild, give yourself a building block to build around, because obviously Cabrera may not be that guy anymore, the injuries and everything, and age are really contributing to that, but with a guy like Machado and Bryce, who are, you know, especially Bryce Harper, a guy that, even though he's streaky, he's a young guy, 25, 26 years old, that's a guy you can build around long term to kind of speed up that process. And you have tons of money. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Your 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 payroll's not that bad anymore. You got rid of everybody yep. who's making anything. <laughs> so I, I mean, do you think that that's something that they should be dabbling in, or do you like the kind of like, all right, you know what? Let's sit back, let's really tear it completely down to the struts and build up yep. from there. My only problem with that is I'm more of I'm not the biggest baseball fan here. Yeah. Um my big sports are football and basketball, obviously. Right. But I don't think baseball is not a sport where one guy can like just change it all around and right. like, really get you there. Right. Because say you do get Bryce Harper and he yeah. bats third for you. Yeah. Okay. He's out every three. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but yeah, exactly. You know, he's like, on base anyway. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, he's on. Okay, so he gets. He's on base. Who's after that to hit for you? Right. You know, you need. I, I'm, I'm more of a fan of just getting the young guys, getting right. them experience, and then right. if you can get six young guys for the price of Bryce Harper, yeah. they can play you know yeah. decent they can to good. Be, they can be serviceable starters for you. Yeah, right. I think that's a better strategy to go, but right. I, I, would, I don't see the, like, it's not a bad thing if you can go get Bryce Harper right. on your team and, and either. Obviously, and obviously but, you can, and, and that's uh, something yeah. that's, you know, and I think you make a great point about one player can't change it. I do think that two, three years down the line, once they've completely torn it down and built it back up and some of these young guys start playing, I think that's the time where you go get a big bat. You go get that pitcher. You go get whoever it is, you know, even yeah. though you're paying for it until he's 55 years old. But you're going to, you know what I mean? That's yeah. the time, I think, really, that you're going to um, that you're gonna notice. It. Okay, we're going to segue a little bit now into the biggest show of the weekend, uh, which is Ring of Honor and Final Battle. Now, Final Battle, for those of you who don't know, is Ring of Honor's biggest show of the year. It's their WrestleMania, to put it in layman's term. Ring of Honor, the second biggest wrestling company in North America today. Um, they had the biggest show of the year. Basically, I, I mean, going down the card left and right, you, you saw Kenny King pick up a victory over some schmuck that we're not even going to give him the name because, honestly, he's just some dude. You saw a pretty great television title match between Hangman Page and Jeff Cobb. Jeff Cobb picking up the victory, retaining there. Uh, Matt Taven retaining his f- f- fake, I guess is the best way to put that, uh, you know, his world title. You saw Cody versus Jay Lethal. Uh, Jay Lethal obviously retaining. The Briscoes winning a dramatic ladder war um, against uh, the you know the Young Bucks as well as SoCal Uncensored, which is Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky. Basically, Mike. First off, how how did you how did you like the card? Did you like it? Did did anything? Was it on paper? It sounds really good. It does. But at the same time, as we both know, just because on paper it sounds really good doesn't necessarily mean it's going to deliver. I totally agree with that. <laughs> um, I think the card was good. I'm looking at it right now, and is it sad to say that like the second match on the card, the television title match, was probably my favorite match yeah, on that, the card? Yeah, mine too. Mine too. I, I mean, think we talked about guess, it even yesterday. Yeah. I thought that that was the most entertaining match. The crowd, if you haven't seen it already, folks, if one match you need to see, I would say, is this TV title match where you go, wow, that crowd was really, really hot. For Adam Page and Jeff Cobb, I don't know if they just thought Jeff or Adam Page was going to be the guy to, to finally win that belt or not, but super hot match. I don't yeah. think there's really any low in the action. Um, but the rest of the card, though, did, I mean, was there anything to you that really stuck out? I, I I thought overall it was solid. Yeah, but I I didn't think there was anything where I was like, wow, I gotta go rewatch that match again. I think, I mean, you can go back to, like, the Zack Zabry and Jonathan Gresham if you like technical wrestling. Right, and that's I mean, you know, the latter like, war, I mean, there were a lot of high spots in it, but everything else, I was just like, I think in a year or two, mm-hmm. someone will be like, hey, Marty and Christopher Daniels was on this card, mm-hmm. and then we'll be like, 
Really? Right. Like yeah, it's exactly right. You're not really going to hear about that, really? right? Now, Em, <laughs> I know you were with us as well when we were when we were kind of watching this, you know, half in and out of consciousness. Um, but hey. when you were watching, you know, when, when you were watching, did you notice anything? I know you kind of like a lot of the high stuff. You like the flips. You like that Will Osprey style. Um, was there anything in particular that stood out to you as far as you were like, wow, that was really entertaining. I wouldn't mind watching more of that. Or were you just kind of like, meh, it was all right. So I really enjoyed the television title match as well. I thought mm-hmm. it was good, fast-paced, engaging. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I was really impressed um, by both athletes. Jeff Cobb, I thought, was like, I've never seen him wrestle before. Right, big And, and big so dude. I was like, okay, so this is going to be another big guy match. And right. sometimes big guy matches are, for your casual wrestling fan, aren't super entertaining because they're kind of slow. Right. And, you know, he's flipping right. around, throwing people around. Yeah. I yeah. mean, the he way he changed Hangman Page's, like, yeah, the momentum. Yeah, his, finish, his finish is fantastic. It's absolutely. it's insane. Um, I actually really enjoyed. I don't know if I'd want to watch it again, but yeah. the Zack Saber Junior match right. um, with Jonathan Gresham, I yeah. thought was super cool. Um, because I've as a, again a casual wrestling fan, never I don't totally usually different. see that yeah, style totally of wrestling. Totally different style, right? They obviously bring something that is completely different. Uh, then you're going to see every night, right? And that's something that I think a lot of people, that was the intrigue by that. I think they're the two best of what they do as far as that technical submission map-based wrestling that you're not going to see very often. I think that's a great point. Um, I'm a Marty girl, so I liked Marty's match too. Oh, but right, yeah, I kind of thought yeah. that like and he got the win. Christopher Daniels was maybe having a little bit of a rough time. <laughs> but yeah, they got a little slow. Uh, so I, but, I, but I love Marty, so I was, I was happy about that. Right. The Flip and Bully Ray match, I don't know. I just thought it was like this big kind of annoying thing in the middle. Yeah, that, that, that was a story. That was a big story arc that a lot of people have been paying attention to. But, man, I'm going to be real with you guys. I don't know how you feel, but, man, Bully Ray is just, ugh, I'm over it, man. I get it. Like, he's there for a purpose, and I understand the purpose, but he's slow. He can't do much anymore. He's doing the same shtick he did, you know, in the mm-hmm. TNA run. He's doing it, you know. It's one of those things for me, when you have a guy like that, and it's all gimmick matched. You know, you had the Sandman appear and that whole thing. I, I to me, it takes away from a guy like Flip after a certain time because you know of Flip's ability and you know that what his trajectory is and it's super high. Don't get me wrong; it's a player in the making. Um, I don't know. I just felt like that match was kind of it. Kind of tore down. It took away from some of the momentum that I felt like the card was kind of building with some of the bigger matches towards mm-hmm. the end of the night. I don't know if you guys kind of feel the same mm-hmm. thing, but. As, as some of you may or may not have seen online, it's kind of out there, where the Elite, as well as SoCal Uncensored, kind of said goodbye to Ring of Honor at the end of the night. Uh, they said that, you know, they're kind of done, there's some big news coming, which we'll obviously cover in future episodes, but did the Elite situation, them possibly leaving, them staying, obviously we know now they're probably going to go, did that change your feelings going into this card at all and thinking, okay, every member of the Elite is in a title match. So the odds of them winning probably aren't very aren't very high. Does that change your guys' opinion on what you're going to see? Does that kind of suspend disbelief a little bit for you and go, okay, well, yeah, this is a great match, but he ain't winning. They're leaving in a month. You know what I mean? Yeah, that was my biggest problem going into the show mm-hmm. was, especially when Adam Page went on second, right. or I guess the first like real match that was right. announced for the card, right. and then he lost, and then like all this stuff's going on and all the elite, and you're like... Man, Paige lost, and then this guy loses, and then Squirrel, Squirrel wins. Yeah, Squirrel wins, but, but it's like he was in a weird situation. Yeah, and then, yeah. like, I'm just like, I think it just kind of ruined it a little bit for me. Mm-hmm. Because, like, going into Ladder War, I was like, oh, the Bucks have, like, almost no chance at winning. Right. Because, right. like, they're leaving. Right. You know, Cody has a very small chance at winning because he's probably leaving. Right. So it just kind of was like, I wasn't into the matches as much. Right. And it was also very confusing right you want to bring that up but I, I think i was just more out of it with all of that talk of the elite well, leaving and, and, and i that. think that's something too that i think is a little concerning because when you look at ring of honor and, and that card you got a lot of elite guys and a lot of title matches a lot of big title situational matches where you're like okay you take marty out you take christopher daniels out you take kazarian you take scorpio sky cody the bucks hangman page that's half your roster of guys that people are paying to see week in and week out. I think that's something that I think is going to be a, a situation to monitor later on down the road is how does Ring of Honor bounce back from that. But mm-hmm. to your point, Mike, I also kind of had the opinion of, well, they're leaving. I know they have some TV tapings going on as of, as of this recording tonight, 
but at the same time, you look at it and you go, okay, but even if even if Cody for whatever reason won the world title, what is he gonna do? He's gonna lose it tonight. He's yeah. gonna he's gonna lose it he's a month, have a like one day title right, reign. Yeah, like... exactly. And I and I don't I do not subscribe to the theory of a title change just for a title change. That to me doesn't do anything. And I think that's something that Ring of Honor has a difficult time with too is is when to make those swaps at times. You know, the Briscoes are now ten time world tag team champions. That's great, but it's like Okay, what else you got for me? Like that's kind of knowing now that SoCal Uncensored's also leaving. You're like, so nothing happened. Mm-hmm. Nothing happened on this card. I think that's the thing. That's the biggest takeaway that we're gonna get from this whole thing is the fact that the elite are leaving. What's gonna? Okay, so what? Mm-hmm. Now what? Right? That like yeah. you could have, we could have went from November to January and with that one announcement, not even seen final battle and known that was gonna happen. You know what I mean? And yeah. I think on the biggest shows of the year. That's something to where I feel like there's things that need to happen. A surprise, a turn, uh, you know, a return of somebody, you know, somebody else really kind of going, you know, shaking things up and setting up the landscape for the next year, which I don't think they really accomplished in that regard for this show. And I think it's something that, that, that Ring of Honor's had a difficult time doing. I don't, I mean, you're kind of looking at me with like this weird face. What, what do you got? Well, I don't know what they, in light of the elite situation, right. I don't really know what they could have done. I mean, with the way that their car, like how everything's right. set up right now, right. The, I mean, for the like the elites, for the most part, they weren't really holding. They weren't. Uh, they weren't holding any. Titles, they weren't holding any titles, they and they matches. but they were in title matches, right. and they're 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 the main contenders on the card. I think to be in title matches, who could, who do you think could have replaced Hangman well, Page in that match, or who could have replaced the Young Bucks or Cody? So I feel like they're just I, I, tied well, hands behind their back, like a little bit. Yeah, no doubt. I I don't don't get me wrong, but I think that's a problem that Ring of Honor. And now, obviously, we're not backstage. We don't know everything that's going on, but. It's, you're going to be you're going to find me very hard pressed to think that that Ring of Honor doesn't think that they're not coming back at this point in the game. You probably have this card mapped out at least a month in advance as far as where you're going to go, right? I mean, since Jay Lethal became world champion, it's been pretty much gone. Okay, it's going to be Cody and Jay for the title once they knew that they weren't going to go with this Matt Taven deal. So once once you go that route, for me, as a fan, for the biggest show of the year that you have I, I I want to see something that I'm going to remember right if it's WrestleMania in a couple months and we're going to be talking about this I, I, I gotta remember something I can't remember the last time I remembered something on one of these big cards now Mike I don't know if, if you're Randy kind of going in the same way where you're like where do you go with that right and it's I don't know. For me, it was a little bit of a letdown. The, the wrestling is solid. That's something you look yep. to Ring of Honor. You're never going to be disappointed by. But at the same time, I was left at the end of that show thinking, okay, now what? Where, where yep. do you go? I, I feel like it's a blank slate, but I have nothing to really sink my teeth into to be like, oh, wow. Wow, they just set up this, right? Yeah. They just set up that. Oh my gosh, this is what's gonna. This is what I think they're gonna do. But maybe they want you to keep tuning in too, because now that you're like they're leaving. What are you gonna do now? So now it's like, hey, come tune in, right. and we'll show you what we're gonna do. Right, right. Uh, very, very, maybe that's you know, maybe yeah, that's what I they're agree. going for. Maybe I don't know. we'll obviously have to keep an eye on that situation. All right, we're gonna shift away from wrestling now, and we're gonna go to I guess some of the other big news that's going around the sports world. First, we're gonna hit the college football world, and we're going to hit the Heisman Trophy. Obviously, as you guys may or may not have heard, Kyler Murray, Oklahoma quarterback, also first-round draft pick of the Oakland A's, won the Heisman from Oklahoma, uh, Tua from Alabama, the other quarterback. Uh, that was really a two-man race, if we're really thinking about it. I don't think anybody else thought anybody else was really going to win. But yeah. we're gonna. I guess my first question for you, Mike, because I know you've watched both guys uh, a lot over the past couple months. I felt like it was Tua's race to lose, and then all of a sudden, kind of Kyler kind of slid in there at the end. It, was it? Did they make the right choice? Was Kyler the guy? I think Kyler was the guy. It was Tua's race to lose, though, mm-hmm. because all through the year, if you look at his stats, I mean, he starts. I mean, let's let's throw this out there. Yeah. He has. Let me get the set correct. He has thirty-four touchdowns and one interception, and he's only played the fourth quarter once. Two has. Two. Wow, that's impressive. He's never One interception. Yep. Wow. He's never played the fourth quarter mm-hmm. like ever. Right. So he's gone through all these games. He's thrown four touchdown passes, four touchdown passes, right. three to Missouri, four against Tennessee. All right. these big games. Mm-hmm. He's had all these touchdowns, no picks mm-hmm. through three quarters. Mm-hmm. However, I think where you start to see where he went on the down slate. Right. They played the Citadel. Right. 
and the score at halftime was 10 to 10. Right. And that's what I was just going to say because you said that, you know, he hadn't played the fourth quarter. Do you think that that kind of that sometimes maybe plays to his negative because you're not playing anybody. If you're up by 50 in the third quarter, great. I get it that, you know, Tua's not playing and and mm-hmm. obviously he got them to that lead, but if you're playing the Citadel, you're playing FCS East, you know, like that make-up teams in NCAA football. If you're playing those types of teams, a good majority of your schedule, even if you're blowing them out, I don't know if that means that you're the best player in the, in the country because you're playing against lesser competition that anybody could beat. I agree with that. I even If you look at the NFL, man, when you watch like Brady play like yeah. the Bills, right. every time they go into the season, right. they're going 5-1 and one in their division. Right. So it's like, is he really the best player, or is he getting just right. the easiest? Right, crappy division. Yeah, because right. every good team that they play, it's either very close or they, you know, yeah, they're playing, right. mm-hmm. you know, the Chiefs, 43-40, they pull it out barely. And right. all, all these big games, and it's close, and then they play the Bills, and they win by 40, because Brady just <laughs> picks them apart. Yeah, yeah, slices them up. Right. Slices them up. Well, so I'm more like, Tua, you know, you played... Mm-hmm. Arkansas State, the Citadel, you only played two ranked teams all year. Right. And I'm like... Right. And granted, you did win the SEC, so obviously you, you get to be in the playoffs. There's no doubt about that. You oh, are no. Defeated, that's but, not an argument I mean, right now. I mean, do you think because Kyler's playing in the Big 12, I know his stats are ungodly when you look at it. I mean, you'll, <laughs> I'm sure you'll throw me the touchdown to interception right here in a minute. But, I mean, playing in the Big 12... That's a running gun. Oklahoma's defense is like one of the worst I've ever seen. For as far as a big is a big you know type of team. I mean, for you, does that help him a little bit? The fact that even though the Big Twelve maybe have some more teams, they play Texas and a couple of these other teams. But as far as their offensive style and the way they play football over there, where it's run and shoot, it's throwing the ball a hundred times, you're going. It's the read option. It's everything, every trickeration that you can dial up in that offense in Lincoln with, with Lincoln Riley. Does that help? It definitely benefits. Um, when you look at some of these, I mean, I can't find another player that has a six to one touchdown to interception ratio. I mean, wow. he threw against Baylor. He threw six touchdowns. Right. Uh, there's not a game he has a three to one ratio in every game he's played this year. Wow. So like, I think it's the quality of defenses that he plays. Right. I mean, the best defense he plays is like Oklahoma State. Right. Probably yeah. through the year, right. or maybe. Uh, Texas, he played mm-hmm. twice and mm-hmm. lost one of them. But, like, man, when you put up, when you average, like, his lowest scoring game was 39 points. <laughs> like, that's right. at the low ball is 39. His high right. ball is 66. Right. Like, he's always scoring between 40 and 60 every single game. I sometimes because he has to. Sometimes <laughs> he has to because his defense is also the second-to-worst defense in all of college football. Right. Um, so I think that helps you when you have a hundred possessions with the football and you can score seven touchdowns every game. I guess that could right. help you in the Heisman race. Right. So uh, now more shifting away necessarily not from Kyler himself, but let's the the importance of the Heisman. Right. We've seen guys like Lamar Jackson to Johnny Manziel to and, and everything in between. Really, mm-hmm. you know, you know, Derrick Henry, Mark Ingram. Hell, if we want to go far back, uh, you know, you, you know, Charles Woodson. You know. I feel like the Heisman Trophy and its importance has become devalued yeah. over the past several years. Is it just because there's such a a lack of of consistency as far as between the NFL and, and college football as far as how they play and, and, and how offenses are operated? I know that I'm not going to take away from a guy because he plays a crappy schedule and you know mm-hmm. he dominates. I get it, but... At the same time, you've got guys like RG3 and even Matt Leiner, you know, Reggie Bush, who didn't really translate as well. So does it, do you think that devalues the Heisman Tour now? It's like, great, congratulations. I mean, hell, this guy who won it, he's not going to play football. He's going to play baseball next year. You know what I mean? He's going to play for Oakland. So it's one of those situations where you go, okay, the, the best player in college football is a baseball player. He's yeah. not going to go to the NFL. Does that hurt the trophy? Does that hurt the importance of it? Or is it, it's the highest, but it's the, it's the greatest individual achievement you can achieve? Um, well, I don't agree with that point. <laughs> I don't think it's like the greatest thing that you can, I guess in college, it's technically right. the greatest thing you can achieve. The best player in the country. But, honestly, when you go back and look at some stuff, I, I think winning the national championship is more important now than winning the Heisman. Mm-hmm. Because when you look at, when you go back and look at all like, you know, guys like Cam Newton and right. all these successful guys who've been playing in the NFL now. Right. And Cam Newton's just a big one that I just thought off the top of my head. But they all just they all went out and they won the 
college football playoff or just like the national Heisman. championship right. altogether right. before there was a playoff where like winning the Heisman, as you said, Kyler Murray's not even going to play football. Right. I mean, Baker won it last year and he's not doing too bad, but like guys like Reggie Bush and Leinart and all these yeah. guys mm-hmm. aren't really translating well. Mm-hmm. I don't think, I don't think it's like, oh, you win the Heisman, so we have to pick you number one overall. Right. It's not that thing. It's like, oh, you won the Heisman. Derrick Henry won the Heisman. Second round pick. Second round pick. Right. Or like, you know, I don't, I just don't think it's like, oh, you won the Heisman, so you're you. We have to pick you. It's, right. Right. And, th- and that's, just, you, you know, won the Heisman. That, it's good, but right. And that, and that's I guess the point. And and because of that, and I think that that's why we bring the conversation is, we've noticed over the years the Heisman winners don't necessarily translate to the NFL. RG three. A big one, right? Uh, you know, I, Andrew Luck obviously has been has been killing it for Indianapolis. He wasn't even in that race, you know. What I mean, RG three wasn't in it. Matt Leinart's won it. Even Derrick Henry, Mark Ingram. You've got guys that have won the Heisman over the past 10, 15 years. Where you go, okay, great. Now what? You know what I mean? Like, it, I don't know if I don't know if that's something to where um, it's just the system that they're in in college. Or it's the hype that surrounds that. Is there ever is there ever even any correlation between the two, right? Where you know RG three was the most one of the most accurate quarterbacks ever in college. You know seventy seven percent completion percentage at Baylor the year he won the Heisman. Mm-hmm. He was drafted number two by Washington and had one good year and now was the third string. You know what I mean? You got guys like Lamar Jackson who are hoping to change that. Baker Mayfield is hoping to change that narrative. But on the whole, the Heisman has guys that have won that trophy. Who never did anything. Mm-hmm. I think when you look at some of the Heisman winners, though, guys like Baker and Kyler Murray and RG3 and all these guys, they have one similar thing in um, in common. Yeah. They're all mobile. Right. They're all like, right. I think Russell Wilson, he didn't win it, but he's one of those guys who's mobile and can make it work in the NFL. Right. But most of these guys who are mobile mm-hmm. they can't make it work in the NFL. Right. NFL is a pro style, mm-hmm. sit in the pocket. If you right. don't have the arm, Right. You're not going to last very long. Right. Correct. And that's how most of these high College football is like a completely different game almost mm-hmm. than the NFL. It is. College, it's like you, you're in the Big 12, mm-hmm. and how many Oklahoma defensive guys are going to get right. drafted this year? Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Like, not, if you want to just put it into that context, right. how many Oklahoma guys are getting drafted? How many Texas guys are getting drafted this year? Right. And then you look at teams like the Big 10 right. and SEC, mm-hmm. Alabama's defense is going to have like eight guys in the NFL. Right. And that's, like, the difference is, like, SEC teams, if they, like, it's just a There's different... There's a reason why the SEC yeah. has, has tons of first, second-round players exactly. going there, even though they're not winning the Heisman, right? And yeah. I know you were kind of, like, you're like you're kind of, like, giving me, like, the duh face. Like, no duh, it's different between the NFL and college. What, what What's your kind of opinion? I know you're not the biggest college football player or college football watcher, obviously, but... Excuse but, me, I'm a huge college football player. <laughs> Everybody knows who I am. Right. Thank you. Right. But what's your take? <laughs> um... Well, I think just listening to you talk um, about some of the past winners, I think I know most of their names because I know they won the Heisman. Not because I know a really a ton of what they've right. done after, after that. Right. So I think, I, I mean, like watching college, like watching some college football, I think we watch NFL a little bit more, but from watching some college football, I would definitely say that it's a different, it's a different game. It's even how like great high school quarterbacks don't translate mm-hmm. to great college quarterbacks and mm-hmm. great... You know, college quarterbacks don't translate to great NFL quarterbacks. I know right. you coach little kids, and you can see that the kids from level to level, they change oh, and they grow, and mm-hmm. there's absolutely. different skills required at different levels. So I think it makes sense, but the question I think is, like, do you think that the Heisman should almost, like, change its grading scale and that, to and, get, like, a right. little more, like, that's hey... That's a great <laughs> point, and, and that's that's a great topic to talk about, right, is is should the criteria be different, right? Should there Should there be some sort of thought behind, okay, yeah, he, he's a dual threat. He ran for 1,000 yards. He threw for 3,000. He's got 75 touchdowns on the year. But is it, it will he translate to the next level, right? Mm-hmm. I, I personally don't think he can because when you do that, I feel like then you're, you're kind of taking away from what makes college football college football. You, are. you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because yep. and, and I think that's part of the intrigue is, so I know a lot of people, they don't watch professional football because they think it's boring, right? They don't like the fact that, okay, on third and long, instead of chucking it down the field for 30 yards, all right, we're going to do a draw play and be safe about it, right? Yeah. Everybody's so so conservative in the NFL for the most part. Whereas in college, you go, 
holy crap, you know what I mean? He just went, he rolled out to the right and threw across his body to the left field, left side of the field for a touchdown for 65 yards, where that's never going to happen in the NFL. I don't know if you can change it, but is it something that they should at least take in consideration? Uh, yeah, I think it's. A, I think there's the skill gap also mm-hmm. between pro uh, defenses and college defenses, right. where like as you said, people don't watch it because it's like they're so good mm-hmm. that like on third and five you're like, or third and five or third and ten, let's go right. third and long, right. and they're sitting there and they're like, we can't take that shot because you got such good defensive backs, right. and such they're good smart enough. Yeah, you're playing the best of the best every single yeah. week. Where like when you're Oklahoma and you're like, wow, I got this guy who can out who has a four two forty and can mm-hmm. outrun everybody. Mm-hmm. Why not take the shot? Which makes it so much right. entertaining. And you got guys throwing for forty five hundred yards in a season mm-hmm. in college, only twelve games. Right. And well, and that's something too, though. You know what's funny? I just noticed this as we're going back and forth. Is we're only talking about quarterbacks. Yeah. That is something to where you look at and you go, okay. No defender, right? Like I know, and let's let Michigan fans calm down. Jabril Peppers, I get it, was in the finals, but calm it down. It really wasn't. It wasn't really even close. You guys, but like Charles Woodson's last defensive player to win the Heisman, right? Yeah. And he did it over Peyton Manning and Ross and a couple other guys. But I feel like, and now as we're talking about, it, I'm kind of changing my stance. I do think that they need to change the way they they grade and you know value players as a whole on the college football. Like for instance, Nick Bosa. From Ohio State, and they say this is one of the best players. Was probably be the number one pick this year, and was a dominant force for Ohio State. You know yeah. what I mean? Their their defense was considerably worse after he left. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? There's certain guys like that who are so good on the defensive side of the ball that are completely getting overlooked just because they don't have any touchdowns to their name in a season. Yeah, I think it's hard when you look at defenses as individuals because mm-hmm. anyone that ever throws a stat out they go right. wow did you know clemson has uh 23 sacks on the season right like clemson, right. clemson does clemson not, yeah not, yeah not one guy yeah not because one guy. he's got yeah. seven of those or he's got 15 of those even yeah no no clemson, clemson has, has a right. whole yeah. where you go you did you know kyler murray has 50 touchdowns right because it could be he, running right. it could be throwing exactly he could throw a screen it goes eight yards he gets a touchdown right. for it and that, yeah right and that's that's a great point right it's even like we talk about guys you know teams even locally michigan state michigan i can't name every player on the michigan defense right nope. i know i can name them when they get beat on a you know on a slant route against ohio state but yep. you look at it and you go i don't know everybody on the michigan defense i know exactly. sean gary i know chase winovich yep. right i know individual people i know you know but at the end of the day that's something, and that's a narrative I think that needs to be changed. Is we have to start looking at the defensive side of the ball and recognizing these guys, even at the college level, for really dominating. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I mean, they get a ton of love in the NFL, right? Oh yeah, tons of love. Oh yeah, there's record, there's stats everywhere. Oh my God, he has 11 sacks on right, the season. It's right, JJ exactly. Watt, yeah, Man, eight interceptions guys. on the year for Darius Slay. Whatever, yeah, the whatever it could be. be. That's but, something I think that should definitely be taken into consideration. Is how does one player on the defensive side of the ball really impact the game? Because if you're looking at it, even when Woodson won it in '97, it was it was it was because he played both sides. He played offensive yeah. wide receiver. He played. He was a shutdown corner. They won. They were successful. You know what I mean? And that's another thing too. If you're Kyler Murray and say Oklahoma lost three games this year and you're not in the college football playoff, but you still put up those numbers, I don't think he wins the Heisman. No, I think it won't. It's like the MVP in the NFL, though. It's mm-hmm. it also goes on team success. Right. Stanford could throw for five thousand five hundred yards, right. fifty touchdowns. If that team's seven and nine, right. he's not winning. Yeah. Right. It's exactly. gonna go to the team mm-hmm. that it's gonna go to the best player. They, it on should the be best, best yeah. player on the best team. Right. So if you're gonna do it like that, I guess then Tua wins. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Which is yeah. Which is whole... you know so like there I think it's it's and we'll get to it in the NBA, but it's like different criteria every year. Right. For like the M- NBA's MVP, which we'll talk which about. we'll talk about right yeah. obviously. Okay, we're going to segue now from the college game to the pros a little bit here. And we're going to talk more local here about the Detroit Lions. This is the first time we've really approached this topic. Um, And and obviously, we're going to do so much more Lions stuff as the year goes on. But really what we're going to talk about and focus on is the tail end of the season. And we've seen a lot of this on social media. I know other radio stations have been talking about this. uh, Should the Lions be tanking the rest of the year? You know, as of this recording, they're five and eight, right? With a you know, with a outside, outside, outside shot to playoffs if everything goes according to plan. But do you think that the Lions 
should be tanking. Because right now, the way they're at, every game they win hurts their draft position. Right? They're number nine, I think, as of this recording, in the draft yes. order. So you look at it and you go, okay, they could have a top ten pick and and get a stud. Right? Yeah. I'm of the personal belief, and you guys can obviously argue with me on this, that I don't want to tank. I hate tanking. I think it's stupid. Because yes. why is Bob Quinn here if you can't find talent in the middle, at the end of every round? Right? Correct. Bill Belichick's been picking 32 for the past 15 seasons. They're still winning championships. You know what I mean? Good mm-hmm. teams with good management and good scouting and good pro personnel departments find talent no matter where. Don't get me wrong. Would it be in March? It's awesome to have the number one pick. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? When they picked Stafford, I was near. I was damn right giddy. Okay. <laughs> when they picked Sue, I was excited. When even when they, you know when they have a top five pick, you're like, oh man, who are we gonna get? We're gonna get one of the best players hopefully in college football. But at the same time, when they picked Taylor Decker at sixteen, when they picked Jared Davis at twenty, I was still pretty excited because yeah. you got a guy who you think can play. For me, tanking is stupid. I think it's the dumbest thing. I, I, it's just to me, you're a professional athlete. I don't. You're gonna if you're bad, you're gonna be bad either way. There's no real way. There's no real purpose in throwing in the season on purpose. You're already gonna lose anyway. So yes. what's the point? You know what I mean? I, I'd rather see my team fight and, and and continue to you know to scratch up the you know up that mountain until you tell me otherwise. I, I don't know how you guys feel. I agree with that. So, just a question before I yeah. talk about right. this. The next three games, they play the Bills, Vikings, Packers. Correct. You think they can win out? Yes. You think so? Yes. Okay. Barely, and it'll be close, boring games, 13-10 to 10 type games. Mm-hmm. But, yes, I do think the way every all those four teams are playing right now, yes, I do think that's the homer in me. I do think they can win out. Okay. So, because if you... I think it depends on your stance on if they can win out. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't believe this team, if you think like they can't beat the Vikings, no right. chance they can beat the Vikings, no chance right. they can beat... If you think that you can't beat a, one of the three remaining teams, right. I think you tank. Right. Because there's no point. Right. Now, as you look at <clears throat> where they're set up right now, however, that's a different story. Because right. if you do as you believe they can win out, that would leave them at 8-8. Eight eight. Right. So what you're relying on is the Giants to lose one. They play Tennessee this week. Right. That's losable. <laughs> I mean, I'm just... Right, let's just right, throw... Yeah. Uh, they need Tampa Bay to lose. They play Baltimore. That's very losable. Right. And then you need the Redskins to lose two. With Mark Sanchez. With Mark Sanchez as your quarterback. So check. <laughs> and then if you can beat the Vikings and the Packers, that's their one loss that you need right. for them. So if you do think they can win out, if you like absolutely believe this team can win out, mm-hmm. I mean... No, well, why not? You know, no, the question like, is going to be, well, why would you want them to win out and make playoffs and just lose in the first round? Because they made the playoffs. At the end of the day, anything can happen on any given Sunday. And I right. get it. Stafford's not having a good year. And we're going to dive into that fully in a couple weeks. Trust me. But And I understand they're banged up everywhere. The receivers are hurt. Tight ends are hurt. Offensive lines hurt. I get it. I understand. But at the same time, if you get there, once you get there, once you make it, that's all that matters. It's yep. one game at a time. It's just like the NCAA tournament. It's just like anything else. It's one game. It's not best out of seven. It's not best out of five. It's not best out of three. It's one game that one day. I don't care if we lose to the St. Louis Rams or the LA Rams 199 times out of 100. But that one time is the time to go to the Super Bowl. That's all that matters at the end of the day. I think people need to understand that. That is that if they beat Buffalo this week. And they go home. They beat Minnesota, and they somehow go to the go to Lambeau and shock the world and beat them in Lambeau Week 17 with a healthy Aaron Rodgers. That's improvement. And if you're a Detroit Lions fan, I don't understand how you can have this approach of I want them to tank. I want them to get a better draft pick, even though you're also the cynical fan that says they're going to blow that draft pick. So what does it matter what position they've got? Because at the end of the day, all I care about is right here and right now. They win out. They make the playoffs. Then it's a whole different ball game, folks. It's a whole different thing, and everybody's talking totally different about this football team. I think there's a funny point in this stuff. Me, you, and Emily were all big Stafford fans. Right. It's like there's gonna Absolutely. be no question about right. that through Absolutely. this whole podcast. Yeah. Through the whole yeah. 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 We're, we're all lines. We're yeah. all yeah. Stafford. I'd be engaged if I wasn't. I <laughs> 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 um, was like, no man, real love me some Aaron Rodgers. So, I don't think I'd be engaged. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so a big question would be if they do win out and they do make the playoffs. Do you think 
like say they lose first round to the Bears and they get blown like thirty four to seven. Right. And then wow, Stafford's zero and four in the playoffs now. Right. It's just going to give more fuel to the fire. Right. It's like kind of my... Right. That's not a big point I yeah. have. Well, it's also like, you know what well, I mean? Well, here's my rebuttal it's that, right? Like, is, is that you look at it and I go, and, and here's... And, and we're just going to briefly touch on this because if we get going down a rabbit hole, this is going to be a four-hour long podcast and you know you guys got stuff to do. But if they make the playoffs, right? That's a, And that's a huge if. A lot of stuff has to go right. Let's just say let's just say they do, though, for, for shits and giggles. They make the playoffs. If they lose, right? Mm-hmm. He's 0-4. Correct. But what if they win? And I know, they've yep. had one win since That's... 1991. But here's here's where people, I think, forget about this. And this is the last point I'm going to make on this before we kind of move on to the team as a whole for a second. If the Lions win and they get this one playoff victory in the next, let's just say the next two seasons, right? Next two, three years, right? They get one playoff win, right? Yeah. You could argue right then and there that this is the most successful time the Lions have had as a franchise ever. Yeah. With Barry, with Calvin, with anybody. Barry won one playoff win. Mm-hmm. One time. Yep. And then got blown out in the NFC Championship game. You mean to tell me that all it takes for this for this community, for this city, to get behind a guy is win two playoff games? Yeah. That's your that's your threshold? That's sad. That's yeah, not that's that should not be acceptable for anybody as any franchise. And that's something that I think as Lions fans you'd really need to evaluate is that you can't if these are the and I get it. He hasn't done it yet. Stafford hasn't done it. But it also is a team game, folks. Let's 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 really think about this. And speaking of the team, let's say for whatever reason they beat Buffalo this weekend and then they lose to Minnesota. Completely out of the playoffs. Overall though, what do we want to see from the rest of this team? The defense is playing a lot better mm-hmm. over the past four or five weeks of the year. They really have. They've really stepped up the game, especially because the offense is so terrible. Yeah. As banged up as they are. What what do you guys want to see from this team? Do you want to see that fight? Do you want to see us continue? Because what makes me have that glimmer of hope is the Patriots' defense always gets better at the end of the year. They're playing the best football in December and January. Always. It mm-hmm. never fails. First month of the season, they're terrible. They're gross. Letting up 50 points a game, hundred, you know, 450 yards. But by the end, it's 300 yards of offense, an average of 13 points a game. Mm-hmm. So, for me, that's a huge sign of like, oh man, we get some actual talent on this team. That's something to be on the lookout for. If this, if they continue on this trend, they keep playing better, especially defensively on that side of the ball. Is that all you need to see, or do we want to see more than that? Um. Well, I mean, you always want to see more than that. <laughs> but I mean, I'm just saying, if, if for whatever, yeah. if if the, if the results go win, loss, loss, right? Beat Buffalo, lose the next two games. You're six and ten on the year, and in that, and you're just going the way. But how they lose those games, how they how they play, and how you, how they look, I think is going to be a oh, huge. Absolutely. Factor in the faith and the in the and the thought about this team going into next season. Well, yeah, I mean, if they go into say they beat the Bills, mm-hmm. who have the number one ranked defense right now, by the way, yeah, so that's weird. a huge yeah. that'd be a huge win for us. Um, then you play Minnesota. If you get blown out, right? You know, then you're like, wow, well, that's classic Lions, right? And, yeah, you know, exactly. Team's home, not there yet. Now, right. if Matt Patricia does do it the Patriots' way, and somehow this defense is going to be the top five defense in the last four weeks of the season. Right. Then you know. Right. Maybe going into next season, even if we don't make the playoffs, going into next season, we can be like, be like okay, okay, give it some time. Right. Yeah. The Jets scam. Yeah, was a disaster. Was a disaster. But as the season goes on, they get increasingly better and better right. and better. Right. So maybe next season, right. you know, maybe the first game, let's not put up like forty three. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Right. Like the Jets. Cool your socks. Don't right. let them score 43 the next year. Right. But, like, at the first game, you know, they love, like, 25, 30. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then through the course of the season, it goes to 13 points per game. Right. And you're putting Stafford, hey, go get two touchdowns and we can win a ball game. Totally doable. Right. Very right. doable. Right. Well, we're going to hit more of that later on. And we got some we got some bonus stuff that we're kind of working on that we'll kind of give you, give you guys updates on. All right. Last topic of the day, and the NBA. Okay. Now, this is, this is something that, obviously, that we can go on for hours about as well. But... There is parity, ladies and gentlemen, back in the NBA. Now, what I mean by that is the Eastern Conference is a tight race right now. You got teams that you didn't really expect to be on the top. You got guy. You got teams that are like kind of all fighting for the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth seed right now. Okay. The big difference in the East compared to the West, though, and the why I think people think the East looks so good is there's no more twenty three on the East. Yep. Twenty three left. He's in the West now. He's in LA. So, my question to you, Mike Merkel, the LeBron fan, 
And we're going to do a whole episode on LeBron James in the near future, so stay tuned for that. But as a LeBron fan, and don't don't give me everything right now, get, you know, <laughs> just give the audience a taste, but as a LeBron James fanatic in the room, is it, it have you ever seen it to where one player completely shifts the landscape of the entire league like he's done? Because right now the West is crazy. Yep. The Clippers at one point were the best team in the West. Yep. You know what I mean? The Warriors are not. The Rockets are terrible. The Lakers are somewhat respectable again, obviously due to LeBron. But yeah. the East all of a sudden looks like the best conference again, where before last year was, okay, yeah, Celtics and Cavs. Mm-hmm. No doubt. You know what I mean? Tell me. Talk to me. What, what, what do you got? Listen. So, eight years ago, LeBron left Cleveland the first time and right. went to Miami. And I think at that moment, mm-hmm. the East goes, there's no chance. Right. We have no fighting chance right. to beat the Heat. Right. And from then all the way up to this year, mm-hmm. it's just been like like last year's finals. Now if you look at this Cavs team that's four and twenty something right now, <laughs> I think they only have four wins. Good yeah. Lord. They have oh no, they have six wins. Sorry. Whoa, six oh wins. they got six sorry, wins. Cavs. sorry Cavs fans, six wins. LeBron James took this six win Cavs team last year, same team. Right. Just add LeBron to it, yeah. put got him to fifty wins right. and None of the I mean, I guess the Celtics series was close. Right. He swept the Raptors. Right. Every team just goes into the series going, LeBron's going to play 46 minutes and we have no chance, so why even try? Right. And that's literally like the mindset. When he's in Miami, all the East teams go, so you got Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, and LeBron on the same team. All right, well, all right, so, try next year. All right. Yeah, so maybe, maybe <laughs> next year's year, like, you know you don't have the guys for it. Right. So now he leaves, and now if the Raptors get quiet, and now you're like, wow, Kawhi's the best player in the East. And then you got the Bucks sitting there, and you're like, wow, Giannis is top three in the East. Right. Wow, we have a shot now because right. LeBron's not there to right. destroy everybody. Yeah. Now it's a race to finish. Now second. it's a race. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Basically, I mean. Yeah, I, I, well, well, that's the thing, right? Is now the West, and you look at teams like, like the Rockets and the Warriors who, who were perennial, the, the teams that, okay, pencil them in in the Western Conference Finals, right? Yep. Don't get me wrong. I don't think the Lakers win the championship. I no. really don't. I don't. I don't even think that they get to the Western Conference Finals, depending on the seating. Yep. Okay, depending on the seating. But I will say this: is that in my experience, now, Grant, I've only been on the search for twenty-four years. But from what I've seen, I have never seen one guy completely change the hopes of an entire half of a league like LeBron has done by going to the West. Not only did he take a bet on himself. But he literally opened up the East to where it's like, wow, if I'm a Pistons fan, granted, they've lost 17 in a row since we last talked about them, so thanks for making us look like idiots, Pistons. But if I'm a Pistons fan, I go, wow, we could be number four in the East. We got shot. We can actually like make a little bit of a run. If I'm the Raptors, I'm like, holy crap, LeBron left. Oh my gosh, we got a chance. We got to beat the Celtics and we're in the finals. Something to add to that, too. So the Eastern Cup, I think... Let me expand on that. Yeah. I think it changed the whole league as a whole right. when he changed. Because the Easter Conference is now like, wow, teams like the Pistons, the Magic, the, the Wizards, right. all these teams are like, wow, we might actually get past the first round and we don't have to play the Cavs because right. yeah, LeBron's, LeBron's not there, there anymore. Right. So if we can hit a four seed and we don't have to play like the Bucks or Raptors, right. I mean, we we're can... We're in the second round. Yeah, right. we're in the we're, second yeah, round. We're, one, we're, yeah, we're a hot streak away now from making a run before we run into the buzzsaw at the end. Yeah, and now we... And then he goes to the West... And I think the only team, and I don't even know how confident he can be, mm-hmm. it, the Warriors are sitting like, you know, we still pretty much got this mm-hmm. in the bag. But every other team, man, you look, you go through, can the Nuggets beat LeBron and the Lakers? Tough. Oof. Can can Russell Westbrook and the Thunder beat them? Oof. Rough. Clippers, rough. Grizzlies, rough. Like, you go through right now, and it's like, LeBron literally has changed. What, the Rockets are now 13 and 14, and he's beat them once already. Right. It's like, seven games, that's the thing. And that's the thing about the NBA that's so funny is that it's seven games. It's not yep. one. Nope. I think any team can beat LeBron once. Yeah. But four times in a seven-game stretch, that's really freaking difficult. And I'm not even a LeBron guy, and I can yeah. say that like with, with all honesty, right? I think that it's it's all going to play out a really uh, – it, it's – it's weird. It makes the whole league more fun to watch because now you're like, okay, you have good teams. You got the Bucks, 76ers, the uh, the the Celtics, and and the Raptors. Really, it's the top four. I would say the top four teams in the East right now. Yes. Not even record wise, but just talent. Let's just Correct. be real. Talent yes. wise, that's who the who we have. Agree with you. So those four teams, any one of those teams could theoretically come out of the East. You know, even with the trade deadline coming up and everything, where that there there could be some movement there. And on the West, you've got the Rockets. 
You've got the Warriors. You now have the Lakers. You have the Thunder. You've got the Nuggets. You've got teams now where it's a totally different feel because LeBron going to the West complicates things to the West where and it makes things fun in the East. It makes things way cra- If you're a team in the West, you're pissed because yes. LeBron came over here and joined the and joined the Lakers and they have a they have a thought process clearly by the way that they're trying to do things. But if you're but if you got a team in the East, you're stoked because yeah. now is your window to somehow pull off an upset and you got to get there one time and do and pull a Dallas Mavericks and get that championship. Yeah. That's all you need now, to do. Now, this is what I find interesting. So last year, LeBron James averaged a triple-double yeah. with that Cavs team that has six wins. Gross. And in two games last year in the finals against right. the Warriors, they were within three points of winning. Right. They, win, Jay, they win game one and the game goes lead, go, that series goes at least six. Yes. I mean, I'm not going to blame J.R. Smith or anything, <laughs> but I think George Hill needs to make a free throw and J.R. needs to know that the game's tied and not down one or up one. So that's a problem I have with that. But anyway, yeah. so now are you now I can say the Lakers now mm-hmm. have a better squad like Lonzo, Brandon Ingram, Kuzma are better than the Cavs team last year. Last year. Oh, absolutely. No like doubt. would you say like, no, no, it's, yeah. a, oh, yeah. it's a definite oh, yeah. you have you've got you've got better veteran leadership, you've got higher upside young guys. You didn't mortgage your future to go get guys. That's that is the one thing and that's something that we're going to hit on later on is the way the Lakers have built this team where they didn't spend any money. If you really think about it, LeBron James, yeah, duh, but Besides that, they spent no money. No, they spent like two million Nothing. on Rondo. They spent and... no money. They did the exact opposite of what the Cavs did. They said, "Let's get LeBron, and instead of let's throw all of our future away to go get Kevin Love and these other pieces." No, no. What we're gonna do is we're gonna go sign veterans who have playoff experience, who caused LeBron problems. Lance Stevenson, Rajon Rondo, two of the you know two players. Let's go get Javale McGee. Let's go get Tyson Chandler. All these guys have playoff experience to go. We can make a run and make something with a veteran-led team. With an infusion of top level youth players like Lonzo and Kuzma to go, holy crap, what are you going to do in the playoffs? Because now you don't know who you're going to get beat by. Now, do you think the Warriors are scared? Yes and no. Yes, because of the issues they've had with Draymond and KD and all that stuff. But no, because I have we've yet to see a full healthy roster with Boogie. Talk. We'll, we'll talk more about this as playoff time comes around and as we kind of see what's going to happen there. But And I know your thought is there's not enough ball to go around. I can already see it in your face right now. But let's see how it plays out before we write them off and say, no, there's not enough floor space. And Because and, all we know, they're all lining up on the three-point line and they're just passing back and forth and dropping That's it. That's exactly what they're going to do. But you know what 100%. I mean? You know what I mean? So there's a lot of different, there's a lot of different stuff. That's it for today's show. We appreciate everybody for liking, for listening. Find us on SoundCloud. Look us up. I'm always right. Like our Instagram page. Follow us on Twitter. Follow our Twitter page. Like us on Facebook. We're everywhere, folks. And we got some big surprises and some big news coming your way in the coming weeks. We got presents galore. It's Christmas time. Keep listening. Keep following. As always, I'm the Mouth Michigan for the Merc Zone, for the Brain. We'll see you next week.